Our Heavenly Father, God, we're so thankful that we have a mediator and a savior. And Lord, if it weren't for that sacrifice on Mount Carmel, we know that no revival and reformation could take place in our hearts. And so, Lord, we ask that you would please rain down your Holy Spirit upon us, that you would consume us and bless us. As we look into your word, Father, please forgive our sins. We confess our unworthiness and we confess the purity of that sacrifice that had that fire come down from heaven and consume it. Lord, thank you for your willingness to exchange places with us in our sins, that you left heaven voluntarily so that we could have a place there. And you gave up something that we will never fully understand for us. Father, please bless us now and give us revival and reformation and bless your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Giza Peladi and Zolt Peladi, shown left and right here in the picture, were penniless brothers living in a cave outside of Budapest, Hungary. They made their living by collecting and salvaging unwanted articles of junk, and they really did not have a good life. Someone came to visit them one day and found them with this amazing news. You have a grandmother, or you had a grandmother in Romania, and she was a very, 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 very wealthy woman. In fact, she owned about $7 billion. And you are the only heirs along with your sister living in America. In one brief moment of time, their lives changed. And they were, of course, ecstatic. They said, we can actually have a normal life and I don't think actually they were right. Their life would not be normal. <clears throat> but they had an amazing blessing given to them, contrary to the story that we started this series with, of Tomas Martinez, who was evading that news that he had inherited all this money, and he thought that the police were out to get him because of bad checks that had been written decades before, which the statute of limitations, statutes of limitations had already expired on. And he didn't want to hear that news, unfortunately. And yet, these brothers, they got the treasure because they listened to the authorities. Amen? Amen. They listened to them. And so God, He wants to prosper us. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe His prophets, so shall you prosper. God wants nothing more than for us as His children to have good lives. Every day my hope and my prayer is for my children that they would be safe, protected, that they would prosper, that they would be healthy, that they would be blessings to those around them. And I know that life has its challenges and I cannot protect them from everything because that doesn't make someone strong. Is There has to be challenges and yet I want them to have a good life and I love for them to be happy when I see them eating good things and experiencing new places and learning what's necessary for life, then my heart is glad and God is our Father. He wants us to be blessed and we must approach the message of Elijah in this way, that He is not out to hurt us. When He rebukes us, when He tells us things that need to change in our lives, we need to trust that it is for our benefit. And we need to be very humble because He knows what we need. When my child was only about five years old, I may have shared with you already that I asked her what she would like for dessert. And she said, I want what you'll give me, Daddy. And... I realized that she, she knew I was serious when I said, what do you want? And yet, she didn't choose something, I believe, for fear of undercutting herself. <laughs> she, 
she knew that I knew all the options and the combinations. And God has great and mighty things for us, blessings that He wants to give us. We just need to trust Him. Whatever you want to give me, Daddy, is what Jesus said in Gethsemane for you and for me. And that is such an important thing because even for Jesus in Isaiah 53, He shall see of the travail of His soul and shall be satisfied. Jeremiah 35.15, I have sent also unto you, God says, all my, all my servants the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way. Return, turn again. <clears throat> and amend your doings, and go not after other gods to serve them. And you shall dwell in the land. That's the purpose of God sending us prophets. So we may dwell in the land. The meek shall inherit the earth if we want to dwell in the new earth then we need to have the messages sent to us of reproof and correction because God wants us to live in that new earth in which will be no sin, in which will be no evil. And so therefore, our own hearts need to be made new. Go not after other gods to serve them, and you shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But you have not inclined your ear nor hearkened unto me. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them which are sent unto you, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. And think with me about what happened to Jerusalem. Terrible destruction in 70 A.D. Forty years later, Jesus, His predictions came true. And Rome came and decimated. Why? Because Jerusalem had not listened to the prophets. They placed the traditions and the opinions of men. They placed the, the roles of the scholars and the PhDs above their personal obligation to study God's Word for themselves and to know what truth is themselves and to follow no matter what. So we've looked at this prophecy this week that God will send us Elijah the prophet for the purpose of preparing us for the second coming. And it is time, friends, in the context of the false Elijah movement, which is gaining rapid ground in this world. As we see the multiplication of false signs and miracles, as we see a false revival, a counterfeit revival, which, by the way, can only be distinguished by us having the true revival. As we see the world right now prepared as a stage for the prophet's of the sun god of Phoenicia, Baal. Then, now, it is time for us to listen and seek for the messages of Elijah. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, 1 Kings 18.36 says, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel. These were the fathers he says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that Thou art God in Israel, and that I am Thy servant, and that I have done all these things at Thy word. Elijah's prophesied in Malachi to come to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. And so these are the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hear me, O Lord, hear me. Elijah prayed, that this people may know that Thou art the Lord God and that Thou hast turned their heart back again. He had poured water over the sacrifice. Just like John the Baptist, who was Elijah, Jesus said, baptized the Lamb of God. He had poured water and drenched that sacrifice. And then fire came down. Then the fire of the Lord fell just like the Holy Spirit fell upon that drenched sacrifice at the River Jordan. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, just like Jesus was a living sacrifice before He was a dead sacrifice. Consumed the, woods, the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. The fire of God 
has power. And as the people saw the power of God after the false revival failed to deliver the characteristics of Jehovah, the characteristics of God's love and of His mercy and of His orderliness and nobility, then the true fire came down and it consumed the sacrifice and the fire can consume our sacrifice as well. He can, God can transform our lives. He can come in with a great display of His power and transform each one of us as we are living sacrifices. The Word came down from God out of heaven to Jesus. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit came down and anointed Him. And another symbol of the Holy Spirit besides being a dove and water is fire. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And the Spirit came down upon Jesus to minister to others. And we're told in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Did you catch that? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. I accept my beloved Son. And Ephesians 1.6 says, to the, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. When God said from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, if we are in Christ, if we have confessed our sins, if we're turning towards the Lamb of God, He looks upon us, not as the sinners which we once were, but He looks upon us as His beloved Son and we are entitled to the same privileges to receive His Spirit, to minister to those around us. The fire of Elijah can consume us as well, just as it consumed that sacrifice. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. They confessed, but confession without repentance is vain. You need repentance, not just confession. Repentance means a turning away from evil and a going and a returning back to God. And so it was said by Elijah to them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there at the base of Carmel. Now friends, we're not waiting for physical Elijah. And so there will be no killing of false prophets. Let us make that very clear. However, there is an application. With the slaying of the prophets of Baal, the way was opened for carrying forward a mighty spiritual reformation among the ten tribes of the northern kingdom. Now the curse of heaven was to be withdrawn. There can be no rain until the revival formula is followed. First of all, you need Elijah. You need the spirit of prophecy, which John the Baptist had, and he was Elijah. Elijah and John the Baptist, neither of which wrote any scripture, were imbued with the spirit of prophecy. And so God has sent another messenger before His face in the end of time. He has given this church, the remnant church, the gift of prophecy and the spirit of prophecy, most notably in the precious volumes of the conflict series and the testimonies for the church, although there's a wide range of material for all kinds of situations that we face, health and education and uh, youth ministry, the youth instructor, etc. But Elijah, you must have the spirit of prophecy in order to have revival and reformation. Plus all of Israel, in other words, all of Israel needs to hear the message. 
And then once everyone comes, then the straight testimony, which is don't try to be part of the world and part of Christ. Don't halt between two opinions. The Laodicean message, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow Him, but if Baal, then follow Him. If the Lord of the remnant church is God, then be a wholehearted member of the remnant church. If you claim to be a Seventh-day Adventist, then be a Seventh-day Adventist. If you want to be something else, then be something else. But make a choice. This is the Laodicean message. You're halting. You're lukewarm. You're in the middle. And after the straight testimony, then Elijah prays and the power of God descends and convicts the hearts of Israel. They confess and they repent. They repent by being willing to turn from those leaders and false teachers which had led them astray. He asks them to make a decision to follow the Lord. Friends, leadership is very important. Keep your heart, the Bible says, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We find in the testimonies for the church this amazing passage pointing to the heart of the problem of Israel's apostasy and modern-day Israel's problems as well. The great heart, <clears throat> the great heart of the work is at a certain place. And as the human heart throws its living current of blood into all parts of the body, so does the management at this place, the headquarters of our church, affect the whole body of believers. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. And so the conference office is very important. The union office is very important. The division and the general conference officers. Because this is the mechanism by which the gospel is spread through the church and strengthens the believers. And so it must be pure. Are you following? If the physical heart is healthy, the blood that is sent from it through the system is also healthy. But if this fountain is impure, the whole organism becomes diseased by the poison of the vital fluid. So it is with us. Satan's chief work is at where? the headquarters of our faith. Friends, we need to be praying for the next general conference session. We need to be praying not our will, but God's will. We need not assume anything about any position. We need to ask God that His will is done and that He would place anybody who He sees fit in any position that we have because the heart of the problem of Israel is with leadership. And we need to ask Him to take the reins in His own hands. And He will do so. Satan spares no pains to corrupt men in responsible positions <clears throat> and to persuade them to be unfaithful to their several trust. We're told that we need a converted ministry. Otherwise, the churches raised up through their labors, having no root in themselves, will not be able to stand alone. And we're given the promise that at the 11th hour, the Lord will gather a company out of the world to serve Him. There will be a converted ministry. Those who have had privileges and opportunities to become intelligent in regard to the truth, and yet who continue to counterwork the work God would have accomplished, will be purged out. No one is going to be killed. Amen? However, we're told that they will no longer serve among God's remnant people as ministers. We need a converted ministry. God accepts the service of no man whose interest is divided. He accepts the whole heart or none. Again, Review and Herald, February 28, 1899. May the Lord convert the hearts of His workmen. When there is converted ministry, when there is a converted ministry, then look for results. But we cannot convert our own hearts. This work can be done only by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
in every stage of the work, let this be remembered, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. That's why we're praying for our leadership, because unless the ministers are converted, the people will not be. Unless Christ shall abide in the men who preach the truth, they will lower the moral and religious standard. Notice this phrase, wherever they are tolerated. Friends, we have a responsibility as a representative democracy to not simply be silent when we see leaders who are betraying their sacred trust. Leaders are called to uphold the voice and the decision of the church in session. We, as leaders, we are responsible to follow the decisions of the church which are based upon the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. And we need to be willing to say something if God's people are being led astray. When Elijah asked, how long are you halting between two opinions? The people did not answer him a word. That needs to change. We need to be willing to speak up if that is our place. The ministry is corrupted by unsanctified ministers, unless there should be, shall be altogether a higher and more spiritual standard for the ministry, the truth of the gospel will become more and more powerless. I tell you plainly, brethren, unless the ministers are converted, our churches will be sickly and ready to die. The church will rarely take a higher stand than is taking, taken by her ministers. In Testimonies, Volume 5, page 227, we need a converted ministry and a converted people. Shepherds who watch for souls as they that must give account will lead the flock on in paths of peace and holiness. Look what the Bible says about this. That was the spirit of prophecy. You think that was strong. Wait till you hear Jeremiah. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Verses 34 and 35, Jeremiah 25. Howl ye shepherds, and cry, and wallow yourselves in the ashes, you principal of the flock. For the days of your slaughter and of your dispersions are accomplished, and you shall fall like a pleasant vessel. And the shepherds shall have no way to flee, nor the principal of the flock to escape. Don't mess around with God's children. Amen. He cares, and He will avenge. My people hath been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. Friends, if I didn't believe in this message, I wouldn't be a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. And when I don't believe this message, I should resign. It is dishonest for an institution, for an educational institution, to call themselves Seventh-day Adventist and not wholeheartedly affirm our fundamental beliefs. It is dishonest. It's called bearing false witness. And parents send their children paying large sums of money to be educated in what they were promised that their children would be educated in. And when their children are led astray into paths of philosophy and vain deceit, there will be a judgment. We need to change some things. And we need God to pour out His Spirit so that that can happen. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Ezekiel 34 has the amazing promise that there will be showers of blessing. There shall be showers of blessing. But before that, in the first part of the chapter, in Ezekiel 34, it deals with the false shepherds. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from, from feeding the flock. 
Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. Then, when he gathers his flock, he appoints the shepherds. It says in Jeremiah 23, 3, that I, he says, will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Friends, the Holy Spirit needs to work a work of revival and reformation among us. And He is well able to do this. Our job is primarily to pray. If we are in a position where we have a vote in some matter, and we have a voice in some matter, and we do not speak, when there is a deviancy between the way of the world and the way of God, or for the way of the world taken in the church instead of the way of God, and we do not speak, then we're responsible. And yet the greatest work that we must do is we need to pray, Lord, take the reins of this church in Your hands. Please set up shepherds over us. We need a converted ministry. The reign does not come until there is a reformation in this regard. At the last general conference session, there was a matter that was brought up for the third time. Friends, the real question is not, why shouldn't we add more to ministry? The real question is, why are those in ministry right now not teaching and doing what they should be doing? That's the real question. And that's the question that we are being distracted from. Are we being faithful with what we have? Or do we allow teachers among us who deny truths that we as a people pay them to teach? There needs to be some accountability. This is not my message. This is 1 Kings 18, Ezekiel 34, Jeremiah 23. It needs to happen. The church will rarely take a higher stand than is taken by our ministers. We need a converted ministry. And so, that's why we've invited you to join prayer so that we can pray that God's will is done. Now look, honest-hearted people can believe different things. But they don't need to take a salary while they do so. And we need to pray that God would convict and convert hearts. We don't just want everyone to leave without any wooing of the Holy Spirit. And yet, we need to be united as a people. We can't be divided. We need to be united. Along with the straight testimony, Elijah causes Israel to remember the law of Moses, which God commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and the judgments. At the basis is the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 4, go with me there please, talks about the importance of ministers preaching according to the Word of God. It's 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word, be instant, in season, out of season, Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Friends, the Laodicean message is directed to the ministers primarily. If the ministers do not receive this message, the church will never receive this message. But this is a representative democracy and we should expect that the ministers are Seventh-day Adventist ministers. Just like Elijah said to the people, seize those who are false and make them desist from their false teaching. Is The ministers must accept it. They must accept it or there will be no long-term revival and reformation in God's church. In our seminaries, 
What do you think? Do you think we should have 50-50 books from Babylon and 50 from our publishing houses? Or how about 20 from our publishing houses and 80? We need some consistency. We need some leadership. Otherwise, the whole entire church will not have a direction, a clear direction. We need to be based upon the Bible. Itching ears. Friends, this time has fully come. And we need a change. Now, we cannot change other people. But we can ask God to change our hearts. And we can pray. And we need to be fortified with the Scripture ourselves. And so, to prosper, to fully prosper as a people, we need to be founded not only on the straight testimony, which points us to the greater light, but we need to have our hearts full of Scripture. Because I studied the spirit of prophecy when I first became a Christian, I became very interested very quickly in Scripture memorization. Because all throughout the spirit of prophecy, the Bible is being quoted. And, and I read again and again that none but those who have fortified the mind with the truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. I read about the importance of Scripture memorization and, and how we should fill our minds and daily meditate. And I was encouraged to do so. And so I turned to the Bible to hide it in my heart. But I failed because I didn't know how to memorize God's Word. And we need, just like Elijah as part of the Elijah movement, to do things according as God's Word says. We cannot be simply quoting the spirit of prophecy. Amen? Amen. We need to know what the Bible says. Now, the purpose of Elijah is to point us, remember ye the law. Okay, remember the teaching, the, you know, the Word of God. Remember that. And we need to listen. Look, it's not optional. Elijah, John the Baptist, today... The ministry that we've been given in the spirit of prophecy is not optional. And yet it brings us to the scriptures. And we need to fortify our minds. And so I failed at this and so I gave up. I thought, oh, I don't have a good memory or I don't, you know, I'm just not going to memorize scripture. But if we really want to be like Elijah, Elijah said that this people may know that I have done all these things according to thy word. We need to remember the word of God. And so... There is a way, and so I'm going to go over some things uh, with you now that will help you to memorize God's Word. Do we have these verse packs that we can give out? So we have a gift for those. We're going to start, I think we only have about 41 of them. Um, so those that, uh, those that have been here, can I see the hands of those that have been here every single day this week? Amen. Okay, so when, when, uh, when she starts passing them, just raise out your hand, uh, raise, raise your hand up, and then we will pass those to you. But this, above anything in my Christian experience that has given me hope and joy and power in prayer, you know, seeing God's hand moving in response to prayer, is God's Word written in my heart. This has been, most of all, uh, the most profitable for me. So we've talked about the straight testimony, the spirit of prophecy, but now we're going to talk about the Word of God and give you some tools to do that. So Psalms 1, 2, and 3 says... But his delight is in the law of the Lord, or his teaching. And in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Friends, God wants us to prosper. He wants us to be blessed. This is actually a quotation from Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amazing power in God's Word. We need to know, first of all, that God's Word is creative. 
where there is darkness, where there is Baal worship, where there is Laodiceanism and a halting and a hesitating loyalty, we know that God's Word can call forth light in us. We must have confidence that no matter our situation, our illness, our social or financial standing, or how our past has been, what sins we have fallen into, that if we hold on to God's Word with all of our hearts, we plant it in our hearts and we meditate on it day and night, seeking to observe to do according to all that is written therein, we can be assured that no human power will transform our lives, but the creative power of Jehovah who said, let there be light, and there was light. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Whatever he sends his word to do, it's going to finish. Now, if we had studied God's word as we should have, we would not have needed the straight testimony. And since we didn't, now we do need it. And yet the purpose of it is to turn us back to the scriptures. Yes, we need the straight testimony. They're not the testimonies for the bookshelves. They're the testimonies for the church. Amen. We need them. And yet they, they serve to point us to where the power is. And the power is in the eternal, life-changing, creative Word of God. Isaiah 55, 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And what He pleases is that we would be turned again to Him. We would have our lives purified from the things of the world. We would come out from among them and be separate. We would not touch the unclean thing. And that He would receive us and would be a Father to be an Almighty Father to us. That's His purpose. Whatever He pleases, it's going to happen. We need to be a people of the book. We've been called and pointed back to it. And we need to understand, first and foremost, the power of God's Word. Because, friends, if I offered you $5,000 today for every verse you memorized, you'd probably memorize 10 before you left today. <laughs> you would be like, I'm not going anywhere. If someone says something, you'd be, shh, I'm working on my verses. Amen. Imagine how much treasure there is in God's Word that far exceeds the gold of this world. There is spiritual power. It is the Spirit that quickens the flesh, profits nothing, Jesus said. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit in their life. You want revival, friends? Revival is in God's Word. Yes, we must be pointed to it. We must have it broken down for us. We need the Elijah and the John the Baptist, and yet we need to have the Word of God hidden in, our, hidden in our hearts. And even when we don't have the sword of the Spirit, you know, the word karate means empty hand. And it was, uh, it was a martial art that was uh, devised in a place where you were not allowed to own weapons in Okinawa. And so the resistance force there at that time, they developed an empty hand fighting technique where even if their hands were empty, they could still wage war. And this is not an advertisement for martial arts. This is an advertisement for spiritual warfare with the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. We need that to do battle against the forces of darkness and the demons that tempt and that are discouraging us and bring us to bad places in our lives. And we need spiritual power in God's Word, no matter if our hands are empty and we don't have our Bibles by which we are saved, if you keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. I started memorizing Scripture personally because I was involved in Baal worship. Now, it wasn't actually the Baal of the Bible, but it was basically uh, the same because I was worshiping the world, and I was worshiping, I was involved with spiritualism and New Age. So if you were to look at me back then, you would not think that this kid is going to be a pastor. So I was, uh, I was a hippie, and I was a New Ager. I purchased my first psychedelic drugs outside of Jerry Garcia's last concert at Soldier Field in Chicago in 1995. July uh, 9, I believe, was when it happened. And so this is what the parking lot looked like. You know, all the deadheads, they follow, you know, they follow the Grateful Dead and uh, you know, unknown to all the attendees of, att attendees of the concert, this was going to be his last concert. And I purchased my, la my first psychedelic 
uh, drugs here at this concert. And then it led me into spiritualism, into the occult, uh, various things. And I did uh, have many, many spiritual experiences. I had psychic experiences, things that I thought about that happened exactly how I thought they would, that they could not have happened any other way. And there was a great controversy going on, and I had to choose. Do I go by my feelings and the miracles, or do I go by what the Bible says? And I chose the Word of God, but the problem was that I still had uh, a residue of this experience, and I was still very tempted with the things of this world. And I wanted freedom from the spiritualism, and I wanted to have a, a stronger mind and get rid of the flashbacks from LSD, etc. And so I visited a pastor by the name of Doug Batchelor in Sacramento, and I said, I understand that you and I have some similar experiences in our past, and what did you do to preach the gospel? How did you get to the point that you are? Uh, after everything that you did to your mind. And I waited for the long list of things to do. And he looked at me and he said, saturate your mind with the Word of God. And I said, all right, what's next? And he said, that's the answer. Saturate your mind with the Word of God. And I thought, well, that, that sounds too easy. And I was disappointed because I thought I was saturating my mind, friends, because I read my Bible every day. That is not saturating your mind. Saturating your mind means to marinate, to soak, to, to stay in the liquid. And so, as David said, his delight is in the law of the Lord, the teaching, the Torah of the Lord. In his law does he meditate, he marinates, he saturates day and night. Now, I'm not as talented as you if you can read the Bible while you're sleeping. I can't do that. It's got to be in my mind in order to do that. And so I went back disappointed because I thought, well, I'm already saturating my mind because I'm studying my Bible every day. And I was. I was a faithful Christian and I was a faithful student of the Bible. And yet I wasn't having the Word of God dwell within me. A month later, a teacher of David and mine at uh, Weimar College by the name of Dan Viss Dan Viss runs the FAST ministry, a ministry to help people to memorize Scripture very effectively. He came and he did a worship to 12 guys, or to our, our dormitory actually, and then he said, who would like to know how to memorize hundreds of verses and remember the references and have an answer to give to him that asks the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear and have a weapon for temptation, the sword of the Spirit. And he went through a number of different reasons why we would meditate on God's Word to be prospered and to, to have God's presence with us in His Spirit. And 12 of us said, we want to do that. And so we began meeting. And He taught us some very simple keys, which I'm going to teach you right now. And it is an acronym, and it stand, it, it's, uh, the acronym is MEMORIZE. Memorize. And as I began to, to memorize God's Word and to meditate upon it day and night, it's not just memorizing it, it's experiencing God's Word then I experienced so many blessings that I never thought were possible. I had so much peace and I was high without having to take any substances because God was speaking to me. He was teaching me. And so this is what He taught us. Carry a verse pack with you. Now, have we passed out verse packs to the people that have been here since Tuesday and Wednesday? Everybody has one. Who does not have a verse pack? All right, one person. Good. So we want everyone to have a verse pack. Thank you so much, Meredith. So, in order to saturate our minds, we need to use all the available time that we have. This is, you know, like I said, if I offered you $5,000, you'd find time throughout the day to learn that verse. You just would. And so I would go to class, and on the way to class, I'd be holding my verse pack, and I'd be going through it. I'd be waiting for class to begin, and while my teacher was getting things ready and, and everyone was coming, I'd be learning a verse. I almost hesitate to tell you the next one, but I'll tell you anyway. When the preacher got very boring, I pulled out my verse pack and I learned my verse. Well, you know, when he went off saying things that were just not in the Bible or, you know, whatever, then I would learn God's Word. Friends, don't stay away from church. It doesn't matter what... Jesus went to church when they were trying to kill him. He still went to church. Go to meet God. 
Everyone else can tag along. You're going to meet God. And so I would use every available amount of time that I had. I remember we had, we had a dial-up internet at the time, 1998. And we were up in the hills of, uh, above Sacramento. And, you know, that weird noise, it's making all this noise. And I'm waiting, and we had terrible internet because we were up in the mountains. And it never failed as I would be waiting for the internet. And sometimes it would take, you know, four minutes to connect. Three minutes. It was just really long. And uh, I would pull out my verse pack, and it never failed. Within 10 seconds, it would connect. It's like the, the devil was purposely trying to keep me from learning God's Word. And, and either he was wasting my time, but I had him between a rock and a hard place. Either he stops wasting my time, or I learned a verse. And so I would get stuck in traffic, and I would be rejoicing. I have all these verses to go through. And I would be so happy because I had time. It was forced time. And I had, I had an excuse to learn God's Word while pumping gas at the gas station. If we had used all the time we'd spent pumping gas, we could have had the Gospel of John memorized. And so little bits of time. So the first M stands for manage time. Manage time. And commitment is driven by value. When we realize the value of something, the Word of God, then we will invest in it and use every available time and ask God where your extra time is. And it probably starts with face and ends with book. <laughs> but uh, Facebook has its purposes. We want to share and evangelize on it. Amen? E stands for emphasize references and emphasize also what God wants you to learn. And what do I mean by that? So emphasize references and verses. You can put emphasize references and verses. You, uh, first of all, I'll start with, I'll start with the verses. The verses that are easiest to remember are the ones that have impacted your life personally. Instead of getting just a list from someone else about what they think you should memorize, uh, you might keep a list of verses that make your heart burn within you. Verses that have dragged you out of a pit. Verses on forgiveness that you need to claim. I remember when I first became a Christian, I had vestiges in the world. You know, I was in the New Age and I loved the things of the world and I was at uh, you know, loved pot and all kinds of different drugs. And, and so I would memorize verses on forgiveness and on strength to continue forward. And whatever verses have impacted your heart, those are the verses Deuteronomy 6, 6 says, these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. So whatever is practical for you that you need for the day that, that will impact your life, that you sense the word of God just really burning in you, make a list of those verses. If you really want to kickstart on it, get the survival kit from FAST. If you go to FAST.st, you'll get five lessons, and you can actually sign up your church to do this. It's an excellent program, and it, it just has multiplication power. I started one team at Village Church, and it ended up with like 100 people going through the program eventually. At PMC, I think we had 700 people go through that program. And it's a really easy, good program to do. But keep your own running list so that you can go to Emphasize References means say the reference before the verse. Like, for example, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoso, and you finish the verse, and at the end you say John 3.16. So it's the sandwich, sandwich method, putting the reference before and after. If you forget either the reference or the verse, you say what part you know, and then the connected part automatically comes afterward, which is the one that you couldn't remember. So if you forget the, the, the verse, you say John 3.16 and, and your brain works by firing these electrical signals along pathways that boutons grow on the end of neurons to strengthen that pathway of electricity. And so it's easy to jump to that next er, neuron and easy to follow that, that path in your brain if you've memorized it a certain way. And so you say the reference first, the verse after, and then again the reference. And if you do that, you can remember references much more easily. Another uh, way that we can uh, remember or, or get as much out of the verse is to understand the verse. So the next M stands for meditate. Meditate prayerfully. Meditate prayerfully. Just emptying your heart of your own ideas and say, Lord, can you please teach me this verse? I want to know what it means. Open up my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. 
Claim the promise, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Pray and ask God to help you to understand that verse because when you understand it, you're more likely to be able to memorize it. Meditate on it and also connect it to other verses. One of the greatest things about scripture memorization is that you can then chain reference in your mind. Now, don't let anybody talk down on proof texting to you. Friends, the Bible is full of proof texts. Paul did it constantly. Jesus said, it is written. The apostles always referenced the scriptures as it was written by this prophet. Now, there's a wrong way to do it, but if you do it wrong, you haven't proven anything, so it's not actually a proof text. So it has to actually make sense. And making change, you know, Jesus, he, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them on the way to Emmaus all the things concerning himself. Now, he wasn't just reciting the whole Torah. He was choosing portions just like he did in the wilderness, and he said, it is written, and he quoted small portions, not even the whole part of the English verse that we have today. And so one of the greatest things when you memorize Scripture is that you will be able to do chain referencing in your mind. And, and Scripture will explain Scripture, and that will also reinforce it in your own mind. So meditate prayerfully by connecting to other Scriptures, thinking about its meaning, and trying to envision what you're thinking of in your mind, trying to picture the scene. O stands for obey the word. John 7, 17 says, If any man wills to do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether I speak of God or whether I speak of myself. If you truly want to understand the word, then you have to be willing to put it into practice. And so if God's word says, love your enemies, then pray for your enemies right then. If he says, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, pray that they would be saved in God's kingdom and have a change of heart if necessary. And do what the word of God says and it will open before you because now that God knows that you're willing to do what he says, then he will open up his treasures to you. So obey. R stands for review. This is a huge key, huge key. And this will hopefully be reinforced by FAST if you happen to want to join that program. Is if you memorize just two verses every week, if you review them and retain them, in one year, you'll have 100. In three years, you'll have 300. In five years, you'll have 500. Can you see how it's possible to have hundreds of verses? If you just do small, consistent bits of memory work and you review them. And so this is the formula for review. Every day, say it from memory once perfectly. And I mean perfectly. Do not leave out any words because it's like walking through a field. If you want to make a path and find that path later, the next time, do you go five feet to the right? No. 20 feet to the left? No. You go the same, the same way. The grass will be beaten down. And so that pathway in your brain will become strengthened. So you say it the same way, not your own way, the way that it's in the Bible. Okay? You, you, whatever version you use, try to use a more literal version. You know, King James, NASB, uh, New King James is more literal. Uh, I like a public domain version. I just like public domain things. I use the King James. Um, but whatever version you choose, you need to say it that way every single time. So once a day, Say that verse from memory for two months. After about two or three weeks, that verse will start to break down into simple carbohydrates in your brain. And it will become so sweet. And while you say the beginning of the verse, the end of the verse is right there in your mind. And when you're saying the end of the verse, you're reminded of the middle and the first, which you already know so well. When you're sleeping, you're going to be dreaming about that verse. When you're driving, when someone mentions something, you're going to be like, yeah, that reminds me of. And it will become so sweet because you've made it a habit and you've gone through it. And I remember I was really diligent about this when I memorized. Really diligent. I would review every single day. And if I didn't remember to review, I would get up at midnight or one o'clock in the morning. If I'd forgotten, or I, re I remembered, I would get out and I'd say, no, I'm keeping the habit. I'm reviewing every single day. And I built a habit because the next day I was like, I don't want to be getting out of bed at one o'clock. <laughs> I'm doing it earlier in the day. Because I know I'm getting out of bed. <laughs> and so every single day, and by two months, your brain is going to be changed. 
I noticed benefits in that first two months that made me one of the happiest people in the world. We were so happy, weren't we, David? It was an incredible blessing. I mean, we just had energy and we saw the Spirit of God working in our hearts. And so when you do that for two months, then you review it weekly. Daily turns into weekly review. Once a week, and a review means not spending five minutes on the verse. Look, the point is to get it in there so you can think about it any time and have the Holy Spirit bring it to you. You just say it once perfectly and that's it. Write the reference on one side and the verse on the other. The verse, reference, verse on one side and the, the, just the reference on the other. And then look at the reference and just say it from memory once perfectly. If you didn't say it perfectly, don't whip yourself or anything. Just turn it over, see how it's supposed to be said and then say it. And just say it perfectly to get it in your brain. And if you do that, and if, when you have hundreds of verses, you'll have to move to a monthly review system. Uh, talk to David. He's got an awesome program called SwordScript, which uh, is a digital uh, PC-based uh, program that you can run on Windows that you can do all manner of memorization on. It's just, uh, it's just amazing. You can, you can record. But basically, faithfulness in little things and reviewing just two verses every week will translate into 505 years. So, review is very important. I stands for inspire others. Share these verses with others. Quote them to others. And whenever you quote verses, they always become more uh, strong in your own heart. And also teach others to memorize and encourage them to do it. We absolutely need to be people of the Word. And friends, you know, I've talked a lot about the Spirit of Prophecy this week because we neglect it. Okay? We neglect it. But I think you see where my real passion is. I love the Word of God. But what I've noticed is as I've gone over the world and done scripture memory seminars in Thailand, in, in, in Malaysia, in Singapore, uh, I've, I've taught it in Korea, um, I've been around the United States in many different places and held many seminars on how to memorize God's Word, I've noticed that those who study the spirit of prophecy, they're most faithful in memorizing scripture. That's what I have seen. And so it is not a, well, is it the spirit of prophecy or the word? No, Elijah comes to help us remember the word of God. And so the scriptures are pointed to by the spirit of prophecy. Inspire others, share it with others, teach other people how to memorize and uh, share the verses that you memorize with them. And finally, Z, zero doubt. Don't stop memorizing God's word because it's difficult. Don't stop memorizing God's word because, or actually we, we haven't got to the E yet, but Z, uh, zero doubt, because motivation is very important. Remember that there is creative power in God's Word. And keep going no matter what the obstacle, Satan will try to discourage you. He'll make problems come in your life to get you to stay away from that fast team or stay away from your small group or prayer group or whatever. Keep on learning those verses because uh, there's nothing wrong with the Word of God. Sometimes seeds just take a little while to germinate and you don't see the results right away some people tell me I don't see that I don't I don't have the joy that you did when you memorized and I said well how long have you been doing it you know you got to plant the seed in water and it takes a while sometimes for it to sprout and grow and you will see fruit it will be a tremendous blessing for you uh, contrary to long-held uh, misconceptions trees never stop growing and just like that, our brains never stop developing. It is never too late to build new neural circuits, taken from Harvard. So this sequoia, it's still growing. And actually, I think this is a redwood um, on the California coast. Uh, don't doubt that your brain can absorb Scripture. In the eighth grade in 1912, you would have had to name in this examination five county officers and the principal duties of each. That's, that's a, just part of your civil government exam taken from a large pool of information. Eighth grade examination, name three rights given Congress by the Constitution and two rights denied Congress. Locate the mountains, Blue Ridge, Himalaya, Andes, Alps, and Wasatch. Anybody here can do that? <laughs> through what waters would a vessel pass in going from England through the Suez Canal to Manila? Uh, okay, so that was eighth grade. This young man, he was Romanian, well, when he was a young man, I should say. Uh, this is General Ion Pacepa, and we're out of time. Romanian intelligence guy. He had to memorize one page from the telephone directory every day as a child. His dad wanted him to be a chemical engineer. He became second in command 
to one of the worst dictators, Ceausescu. He defected. When he defected in 1978, he was the highest ranking Soviet bloc defector. He had such an amazing memory because he had trained his memory. He had such an amazing memory that he knew every single spy and all their tactics and where they were and every detail. If Ceausescu wanted something, he was on the phone with Pachepa. Pachepa, what's going on? And he'd have to give a report because he had all, when he defected, Within 12 years, 11 years, communism fell in Romania because everything was exposed and dismantled because the highest ranking guy with a great memory defected. So we can train our brains. Martin Luther, this is how he, re he received righteousness by faith. It says, I ran through the scripture from memory. I also found in other terms an analogy. So that's all we have time for today. We are, we're done. E stands for exhort others, get in a team. I means inspire others or instruct others. Inspire others. Share the word that you, you learn. Quote verses to people. Share them. Ask for opportunities. And also inspire others to memorize. And then exhort. Exhort others in a team. Let's pray and then I'll take some questions for those that can stay. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we've covered some serious material today. And we ask that you please help our hearts to be humble enough to receive your word. And Lord, we ask for brain power for each one of us, that we would remember your word, just like Elijah came to help us to do. And as the spirit of prophecy points us to do, Lord, we ask that you bless each one of us with a deep revival in our hearts. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.